we've been talking about the value of a Christian community, a place to call home, for a variety of reasons. We found out that it's a place where you can feel safe and secure. But today, we take it up notch to a place that you can call welcome home to a forever family because it reminds us of one of the best illustrations used in Scripture. And that is of God going to extreme lengths to bring his family together. So I want to read to you a section from God's Word. It's from uh, 1 Thessalonians, and then we're going to talk about it a little bit. Um, if 1 Thessalonians sounds like a strange name to you, that's okay. I just want to explain what that means. Um, it, there was a, a city called Thessalonica, and it was a city just like Houston, and Paul was writing a letter to them. And so that's why it was called Thessalonians. There were people that lived in that city. And they had something on their mind. They were worried about what happens when this life comes to an end. And so Paul talks to them about that. We read, Now brothers, actually I'm going to read a slightly different version than I have printed in here. This will make it easier. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And after that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so we are to be encouraged with these words that, that Paul has written to that congregation in, in Thessalonica. Do you realize just how hard you or others work to try to keep a family united? It's something that's on our mind frequently, right? And we work so hard at it, which is why it's hard when we reach certain phases of our life where a family starts to break up a little bit. We happen to have with us today um, parents, grandparents of many pre-K and kindergarten students. And do you remember how hard it was to drop your child off the first day? Now don't get me wrong, there were some of you that were thrilled. But it's also that moment where it's kind of like there's separation all of a sudden, it's hard to let go. And then they get a little bit older, and then you send them off to college. We're not there yet for some of you, don't worry. But it's hard, because you see a break in the family. You, you want to have them under your roof. You want to be under control. You want to bring them together. And then marriage comes? Oh, my goodness. 
And so what do we do? We work so hard to maintain the family unit as we can, but it's not just those life events. Sometimes relationships in the family get challenged and hurt and broken for other reasons too that have nothing to do with schooling or marriage. There can be those conflicts of interest and those fights that break out and it can lead to to awkward moments and you're saying we just want our family to be united and so we look forward to the holiday time with the thought that maybe the holidays are going to be here and we can have our family once again together. But we could spend our entire time talking about these things on earth that are intended to keep family units together despite the challenges but I want to take you back to God's word. Because one of the ways that you can look, one of the filters, I should say, through which you can look at God's word is through this overarching theme that God has of a family. And it starts all the way back at the very beginning. In the book of Genesis, what was God doing when he created the world? He was creating family. His family. And the amazing thing about that family is that there was no division. They were all on the same page. They loved one another. They were intended to be perfect and in perfect fellowship with God. It was a family unit that was established until it wasn't. Because when you see the actions of sin entering the world, we're reminded that that perfect family unit was broken in a way that could never be fixed on our own. Sin entered the world, and and what happened with Adam and Eve? They, They became at odds with each other at times. And not only that, but Adam and Eve, in their relationship with God, they became at odds, no longer on the same page. And as a result, we have to talk about the elephant in the room. I think you know that phrase. It's the big thing that everyone sees and knows about, but no one wants to talk about? And today, what that elephant is, is the most obvious way that separation happens in the family. It's through death. No one likes to talk about death. Why would we? No one enjoys thinking through the fact that funerals are a reality. No one likes to think about the cherished family that we have to be separated by the inevitable. And yet, the fact that we call it the inevitable reminds us that we have a problem. But welcome home to a forever family. And why can I say that with confidence? Because the Apostle Paul was writing to the Thessalonians with that specific idea in mind. He wanted to take the elephant in the room and eliminate it and say, we're going to hit this head on. And so what does he do? He writes to those who were concerned about what happened at death and he resets the narrative. Which is why he says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death. But it's so easy to be uninformed. 
Because when we're left to our own mind, and we're left to what we see with our own eyes, and what we feel with our own heart, we look at death and we see this is the end. We look at death and we say, this is a sad separation in which we can't gain that time back. We see separation in the family and it hurts us and we start to grieve. Which is why we do everything we can to maintain the family while we can. Again, we think of the holiday season and we think of taking little Johnny and making him sit at the table because this is our family time. We want to be together now. Full disclosure, the Bivens family, when it's all together with the extended family of that picture, F-cubed is a thing. I've talked about it before. Forced family fun. You are together and we will have fun. I don't care what you want to do. It's a little dramatic, but sometimes you have to call it down, right? Why do we do that? Because we want to recreate the relationships of that perfect family again, and we want to overcome the challenges, and we want to make use of it while we can because we know there's a time coming when the family's broken and it hurts. Unless we listen to what God says and we bring the family together not under the the presuppositions of forced family fun or of external unity, but we bring the family together under the very promises of God. A spiritual family. And when we do so, we realize that the forever family concept goes far beyond adopting a pet or a child in this world but rather it is the very message of Scripture in which God adopts us, the rebellious child that has broken up the family and brings us back into the family because of the work of his son, Jesus. And because of that, he says, you don't even need to worry about death any longer. You go back to the the words of Thessalonians and he says, for we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. You see, in this whole section, he's remembering or he's reminding us of what it is that we believe, but sometimes we don't always connect the dots. Right? We always talk about Jesus. We know that he's our savior. But do you realize how great that is? He's saying, we believe that Jesus died and rose again. There it is, the message of Good Friday and Easter morning. We believe this. Why is that so significant? Because what do we believe about Jesus? True God and true man. Giving his perfect life in exchange for ours. There, my friends, is a savior worth worshiping. Because we believe that this happened. In fact, it's so significant that it happened so also we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. And there you have it. That big elephant in the room that no one wants to talk about because it scares us, it reminds us that for those who are in Christ, death is but a sleep from which we get to awake. That's how scripture talks about 
the biggest challenge to the unity of our faith and the unity of our family. And so we, we look at these words and we go on to see how he describes this incredible situation where the number one thing that might fear us, the number one thing that might lead us to despair, the number one thing that, that has us maybe secretly up at night, the guilt for our sins and the recognition that death is a reality and that the unity of the family is in jeopardy, Paul hits head on and he says Christ is the answer. And as we come to Christ, we come home, back into God's family. And as we're in God's family, we look around and we say, this is a family that lasts. This is a family that was meant to be forever. This is a family in which we can have the absolute confidence that every time our sinful nature takes over and commits a sin as grievous as it might be, there is Christ, the one who overcame death for us with the forgiveness of sins. And we brought into his family can know that even the greatest consequence of sin, which is our physical death, it will not carry the day. As you look through this, think through why in the world we would choose to talk about a subject like death when usually it's that topic that scares people off and you might think, the people speaking of it is strange. It's because Paul says, therefore, encourage one another with these words. And so let us be encouraged. Let us be encouraged that when we come home into God's family, we can even tackle the most challenging topics. And so I want you to come home. I want you to come home to be in the presence of God. I want you to come home to see Christ for who he is, the one who has brought the family back together. And I want you to come home, and as you come home, you feel welcome because now the burdens of your guilt and the burdens of your sin, as real as they are, can be left at the doormat. And you get to look around, and you get to say, we have a new life in Christ. And this life is not only now, it's for eternity. A forever family. And so keep your ears open. Keep your ears open for the times when that heartfelt peace hits the evening news and you see just the incredible love that is shown in a especially poignant forever family story. And then look into your heart and say, but we get to live an even greater one. Welcome home to a family that Christ has reestablished with his love. A family that lasts now and into eternity. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, may it guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus our Lord. Amen. I ask you once again to please stand, and as you stand and find yourself on your feet, if you could look to page 7 of your worship folder, 
you'll see something that's called the Apostles' Creed, and that is just a declaration or a confession of the Christian faith that has been around for centuries. It reminds us of our Christian family, people who have confessed the same faith as is rooted in Scripture. Altogether, we say, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.